and welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and there is a great event that is happening in November, November 18th to be exact. Now, you may be wondering, Angela, why are you telling us about an event that's not happening until the fall? This is why. It's called Inside the Animator's Studio, an evening with Lauren Faust. You heard that right. Lauren Faust, Ms. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, and several other fantastic shows herself will be giving a talk at the Windham Anaheim Garden Grove in beautiful Garden Grove, California on Saturday, November 18th at 5.30 p.m. And you can purchase your tickets now. You know how your New Year's resolution was that you were going to be on top of things and be super organized? Now is your chance to make good on that resolution. You will want to hear what she has to say. I guarantee it. So the link will be in the show notes so that you can visit eventbrite.com and purchase your ticket today. Don't miss it. It promises to be an exciting show. And speaking of exciting, today, June 21st, is the first day of summer. And with that, I am very happy to be presenting the newest series for this podcast, Nickelodeon Summer. That's right. Every single week this summer, I will be bringing you an interview with an individual currently working at Nickelodeon Animation Studio in beautiful Burbank, California. I'll be talking with individuals working in a myriad of departments and shows throughout the company. And for my very first interview, I am happy to be presenting Jocelyn Liang, background painter for one of Nickelodeon's newest shows, Pinky Malinky, which will be debuting in 2018. Jocelyn has had a very storied career and she is just getting started. So without further ado, I am happy to present Episode 47, Interview with Jocelyn Liang. So my <laughs> guest today is Jocelyn Liang. Jocelyn is a background painter from one of Nickelodeon's newest shows, Pinky Malinky. And previously, she also worked for Electronic Arts. She worked at Titmouse, and she was an intern for Nickelodeon, and also at Pixar. Jocelyn, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on the podcast. <laughs> I'm excited to have you, too, because I looked over your resume and all that you've done and your websites, and you have done a lot. You've had a very storied career. You've gotten to work on a lot of really cool projects. So I want to dive right in. So I always like to start at the beginning. So where are you from? Originally, I'm from Cupertino, Cupertino, California to be specific. So I guess most people know that as Apple time on your iPhones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I pretty much grew up, I'm a California girl. I grew up in California my whole life. And after I graduated high school there, I came down to L.A. to go attend art school. And I went to Art Center of College of Design. And yeah, after that, I, I actually moved back to the Bay Area. And that's when I started working at EA, where I was a concept artist on The Sims 4. <laughs> oh, wow. And we'll get into all of that. So prior to art school, had you always been an art kid? Were you always interested in illustration and painting and animation or did that come a little bit later? 
I think pretty much my whole life, like since I could hold a pencil and know what to do with it, I've been drawing. I think for for me, drawing kind of came out of loneliness because that's when I was before my brother was born. So I was a really lonely child with nothing to do at home. So drawing kind of became my favorite pastime because you can create all these different worlds with your imagination. You can kind of escape reality. And that's what I did on my free time before I had to go to school or, you know, I had anything significant to do. (laughs) What were some of your favorite things to draw? I remember a lot of bunnies. So I would always, I drew a lot of flying castles and bunnies and princesses and I also watched a lot of Disney movies and just movies in general whenever they would come out and my parents would take me. So after I came back from the movies, I would basically just redraw what I saw in the movies. So I remember when Lion King was out, I was drawing a lot of lions and I just did not grasp the concept that animals only have four legs. So I had seven legged lions. Oh, that's fantastic. And my mom was like, no, no, Jocelyn, that is wrong. That's wrong. They don't have seven legs. You have to count them. Your imagination must be anatomically correct. Yeah, but like it's it's funny because all the art teachers are like, no, it's fine. Like it doesn't matter. Let let their imagination run wild. And my mom's like, no, it's wrong. Very good art teachers. I, I wish more people had. I've talked to people that have, there's been a wide spectrum of art teachers, ranging from some of the ones I had prior to college, which were pretty terrible. To people who are like, no, my art teacher is the one that got me into art. So that's good to hear that they said, nah, you want a seven-legged lion? Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I had like a pretty much art-filled childhood, and I kept up drawing all the way, all the way till high school, and then I got into art school, and then it just kept going. <laughs> that is fantastic. And so, Art Center, it's a very well-known school. How did you pick Art Center as opposed to some of? I mean, there's a lot of different schools, yeah. a lot of really good programs. How did you decide to go, you know, Art Center is the one for me? That was actually a really tough decision. It doesn't look like now, but I almost actually went to Laguna instead. But to backtrack a little bit, I actually started out wanting to be an animator. So I went to RISD's pre-college program uh, when I was in high school for a summer. And, you know, it was really fun. But going, I think actually sitting down and trying to animate a little short I realized animation is a lot of clicking. It's a lot of tedious stuff. Like one thing goes wrong and everything is wrong. (laughs) So, you know, you gotta, first you gotta like storyboard everything, come up with your concept, and then you have to actually animate it, like draw through all your frames. And then there there comes like cutting everything together and then finding sound and I just didn't like it. And I was like, I just wanna sit down and draw at the end of the day. So after realizing that, like when I started applying to colleges, I was like really drawn to schools that were had really strong painting programs, like painting, drawing, and like designing programs. And what I found was like a lot of the art schools on the West Coast seemed to have that sort of background versus art schools on the East Coast had a lot more fine art sort of programs. So I decided to stay in the West Coast and I narrowed it down to Laguna and Art Center. And I think ultimately my parents felt that I would have better opportunities and be more challenged if I went to Art Center. And I talked to an art teacher of mine in my high school and he he was like, well, if I had a choice to redo it all, I would probably go to Art Center. So after a lot of consideration, I finally said, okay, I'll go to Art Center then. And that's what happened. Very good. And what was your time like at Art Center? 
I really liked it. Um, a lot of people have different and mixed opinions about it, but I thought maybe it's because I went in when I was kind of, I was like really, really fresh because I was one of the students who went in right out of high school. And traditionally, it's a school that most people go to after they've had some sort of art education or have worked for a while. But I went in and I didn't know anything really because aside from like after school art classes, I never really had a legitimate figure drawing class or just classes in general where they teach you structure like perspective and things like that a lot of the basics so most of my art until then was it was self-taught so going in they're like okay here's a tool I'm going to teach you how to draw a person and so I'm like oh great I don't know this I've never seen anything like this before Mm. so of course I just tried to soak up everything that the teachers taught me and I think what I saw was a lot of students who didn't really, weren't really receptive of the teacher's uh, material. They were taught other things because they went to community college for some art classes or they've worked for a bit. And I think it's a little, it was a little bit harder for them because you're telling them to throw away what they already know uh. so they can relearn from the beginning. And I definitely know what that feels like right now because after graduating school and having worked for a bit, I can see like I probably would not have done as well if I went back to school today because I would be like, no, I took so many years to learn that. Why am I throwing that away? Ah. Yeah. So there wasn't really anything you had to unlearn. Yeah. So since you came in right out of school, was, this is all brand new and this is great. Yeah. So I, I went in and I was like, I'm going to learn everything I can and soak up everything. I actually thought I would go through the entire school. The fastest, I think they said it was like 2.8 years or something. I've heard that program's tough, but just just in art school in general, how would you go through a program in two and a half years? Basically, you would opt for no breaks. So like usually a traditional college or most art schools, you get summer off. For art center, you don't have to take summer off. You can choose to keep taking classes and keep going. So people who do that can graduate earlier. And even though it is a possibility and they let you do that, I don't recommend it because you burn out so fast. Just after one term, most people who wanted to do the same thing as me were like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm so tired. So it's, it's better to take a break. And I'm glad I took a break because uh, it really gives you time to absorb and like think about the stuff you learned. And that's also when I got to internet Nickelodeon. And I love that experience. That was one of the best summers of my life. (laughs) That is wonderful. Now let's talk about the internships because you've had not one, but two, which is every art student's dream to have an internship at a major studio. So how did you get the internship at Nickelodeon? So I actually interned at Nickelodeon Games, which is different than the animation studio. In games, because gaming does not have a union, you get to do art. So I was an art intern there. And I actually did not know that was an existing division of Nickelodeon, as I think most people don't associate Nickelodeon with games. But I actually found it through my school's Career Center Bulletin. They have like a list of companies you can choose to intern for, people who interned for those companies in the past. And I thought, 
oh, it's Nickelodeon. Like, I've heard of the studio. Like, I watch their cartoons all the time. I wonder, like, what their gaming division is about. So I looked it up, and it was actually, I found out they had bought Neopets. And most people my age probably have heard of it or played it in their childhood. So I was like, oh, that's great. I loved Neopets when I was a lot younger. So I decided to apply, and I got the internship. So... I was like, yay, this was my childhood dream when I was probably 11 or something. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. So what did you do as an art intern? They start you off with easy assignments. So you do these, I don't know how familiar with the game you are, but the items in the game come in like, I think they're like 50 by 50 pixels or 80 by 80 pixels. They're like little squares. And then they're really, really tiny on the computer. It's like prop designing. They'll give you a topic or like an item name and then maybe they gave you something like oh like valiant drumstick or something that (laughs) and you can choose how to design it and then you basically you go through an approval process with your boss uh, who's the lead designer and they tell you like okay I go with this one and then you can clean it up and turn it into the actual asset that makes it into the game so it's really cool once they release it because then people see it and they can click on it and you can click on the news page and you can that's where they uh, show all the new updated items you can be like yay my stuff is real that is really cool so then once you're done did you now you did this while you were in school right or was this after you had graduated oh no the uh this one was in school okay so when you returned to school was it this feeling of I've worked in the real world. I can totally do this. I'm ready for whatever classes you guys have for me. I think because in the internship, we don't actually work in Photoshop. We worked in Flash. So that was like a new thing I got to learn. We don't really use Flash at Art Center and they don't really have classes that teach it, I guess, unless you're in motion graphics. But it was definitely really cool, like going back to school, and I, I was like, oh yeah, I've done this thing that no one else has. So that was definitely a confidence booster. And I, I felt like coming back to school, I was really refreshed as well, because I was like, yeah, I'm ready to learn some more stuff. Like, who knows what the next internship I do will be. And so then, you know, you were an intern at Pixar. So how did that come about, and what was that like? So for Pixar, that was actually a dream of mine since high school. Before I started applying for art schools, I was telling all my teachers, I was like, my dream company is to work for Pixar, as with most high schoolers or people who plan to go into art as a profession. I applied to Pixar's internship program pretty much every year while Sounds I was like in. Me. <laughs> yeah, I did yeah. the exact same thing. It's like every year until I get in. Yeah, <laughs> and the funny thing is, I almost didn't apply my last year because I was graduating, and I was like, uh, "I'm graduating. Does it really matter if I apply or not?" Because at this point, I'm. It's probably not going to happen. But then, like, people kept asking me, like, "Did you apply for the internship?" I'm just like, "Oh." okay, I guess I'll just go home and do it, just send it in, and maybe I have like a 0.00001% chance of actually getting it. So I applied at the last minute, and then somehow, miraculously, I actually got it, and I was like, oh, is someone pranking me right now? (laughs) This isn't real. (laughs) Yeah, and the funny thing is, I got the email from them, right after I went to the post office to drop off my application for Blue Skies internship. 
So I was like, wait, what? I just dropped off my package for Blue Sky. I like it just didn't register to me. So yeah, I guess it's it was kind of a miracle that I got it. Mm-hmm. It was definitely unexpected, but yeah, it was it was definitely a dream come true. <laughs> That's great. So what did you do as an art intern? I went in, um, I think originally they had planned for me to be a shader intern. So um, for people who don't know what a shader is, it's like the textures and patterns and things you paint onto surfaces and then they put it onto a 3D model. So when I got in for my internship, they actually were doing a rewrite. I worked on Inside Out, by the way, so just to give Fantastic. it some context. Um, so yeah, when I when I got in for my internship, they didn't actually have any work for me to do because they had gone through some rewrites and they were they were also in Blue Sky production, so everything was still kind of being figured out. So instead of giving me shader assignments, they gave me a lot of just kind of like vis dev assignments like, oh, what would this world look like? Like, imagine. And they kind of gave me some clues as to the stuff they were looking into. Like, this is what we're looking into right now. This is our research board. And that was really cool. Just like allowing an intern to contribute ideas and explore what this world could look like. And the final movie, like, even though it didn't look like what I saw when I was there, it's definitely really cool to see that process of how like one person draws one thing and then everyone's like, oh, that's a good idea. Like, what if what if we did this? And then that kind of goes like a chain reaction down the line. Got the whole thing and it's like, let's blow it up and do it again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I also saw, and I'd never heard of this, so I thought this was really interesting, the Walt Disney Imaginations competition. What is that? That sounds fascinating. Uh, Yeah, I almost forgot about that. (laughs) So that is a competition I think you can do. You have to be in school, I believe. And it's in groups of four. I think it was four. So you could do it with students from other universities or colleges. And basically you get into a group of four and you brainstorm an idea for a ride that could potentially go into one of the theme parks. And you basically write a script for it, I guess. That's what you would call it. <laughs> and then you come up with concepts. And then you have to like package it in a certain way. And I think you, what was, I think you send it into them. Yeah, so that was an interesting experience because I worked with three of my other classmates. And we would get together like every week or two weeks. And we would meet about things. And I think we did a ride for Up. So, yeah, uh, we were like, we were like doing some sort of like a hot air balloon ride or something. I can't quite remember anymore. Yeah, but I did a lot of set designs and things like that. And I did some, I don't know what you would call them, like concept paintings of like people in the actual attraction. I know what you're talking about. Whenever they have, it's like whenever you have, you see those giant posters on the outside of construction sites where it's, this is what it's going to be. And you see like the little people and the buildings and all the trees. And yeah, be something like that. <laughs> Probably on a smaller scale than, because I know a lot of those are like super 3D and realistic. Yeah, so that was, that was, a, that was definitely a different experience working in a team. But I think for the most part, because we were all still in school and we had classes, we, uh, we kind of worked on our own sections like separately by ourselves because we assigned ourselves 
a part of the project to work on and then we would bring the pieces together and that's why we would meet just to make sure everything was sound and blended into each other and I think we actually placed pretty high in the competition I think the finalists go in and present it to the imagineering people (laughs) but we didn't make it all the way that far so I'm trying to remember what we placed I think we did top seven or something like that. That's really impressive. I mean, how many people are trying out for this? I imagine that must be a pretty... don't know. (laughs) But a a lot of people, probably. Yeah, that's got to be... That's really good to be that high. Yeah. We were pretty stoked. We were like, we didn't win, but we got top seven. Yeah, (laughs) you're in the top ten of, like, potential theme park, guys. We were like, that's all we need to (laughs) know. Wow. So, all right. So you do your competition... You're in school, you do the internships, you move back to the Bay Area. What was it like working at a video game studio as opposed to working at like a television or a film studio? It's really different because gaming culture is, of course, not the same as animation culture. Definitely really nerdy. You have a lot of bros with their first-person shooters. That's the thing I didn't realize is that first-person shooters are so popular, (laughs) at least amongst the group uh, who, who I worked with. And I wasn't really into first-person shooters, so I was like, okay, I guess people just like shooting things in their video games. (laughs) I think most people that I know in animation, they like the Nintendo games, they like the multiplayer games. Yeah, lots of, it's more like a, like, team sport, you know, Mario Kart, Smash Brothers, or something where it's like, you know, (laughs) your friends together and you're, like, racing something or building something or just, you're Link jumping out in the woods. Not a lot of, like, hardcore bloody I mean some people yeah, I'm sure alien do. blood <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't really see a whole lot of that you're right I don't yeah. really see a whole lot of that amongst animators I'm sure people play it because mm-hmm. I've, I've heard of people like talking about it in the background but um, it's definitely more of a thing in gaming another thing uh, that was interesting in their production was that there is no production department. <laughs> really? Which was fascinating to me because I got there and I was like, oh, so like, do we have a PA or something? And they're just like, what? What are you talking about? It's like, oh, like, like a person who helps us like with the pipeline. And, and they didn't, they have, they called them administrative people. And those are the people who would order like office supplies or like take care of I guess like if you have facility complaints, you can tell them and they'll relay that message to whoever. But yeah, that's the thing. I think after that job, I just appreciate the production department so much in animation because without that department, you don't know where anything is. It's kind of like having a blind eye. And if you're ever missing assets or you need information on an assignment from someone, you basically would have to hunt that down yourself. Oh, so, so they didn't have a like a main person saying, here's your assignment, here's what you need to do, here's where to save it. It was just <laughs> kind of out Pretty there. Pretty much. Well, like the thing that's um, different in gaming is that they have a lot of different game designers. So those are the people who would come up with gameplay stuff like, oh, let's do a quest. Like, how would you design that quest? So it's like, would you like go to this NPC and what are they going to ask you for? Stuff like that. Or if it's, I guess, like other other activities you can do, not limited to things like quests, but they would, for instance, they would request, like, I need this item because we need it for this activity in the game. And then a lot of times you would not even know who these people are because there's just so many people in the company. Oh, my gosh. And so you would get an email or our manager would give it to us and we're just like, 
oh, cool. Well, I have a question about this. And then they're like, well, you have to go ask that person. And we'd be like, who is this person? I've never heard this person's name before. And it's especially bad when they're hiring new people or like someone leaves and someone takes their place and you're just like, I don't know who this person is. Oh, so there's not necessarily an <laughs> announcement of this person's now left and the replacement is Bob or Susan. Yeah. They don't tell you. So then you Sometimes just Sometimes they oh. don't tell you. Oh, so, man. and most of the time we don't know where these people sit either. Ah. And so we'd have to wander around the floor. We're like, where are you? Who are you? Uh, that sounds like madness. Yeah. And sometimes you, when you actually find the person, you ask them the question. They're like, oh, I don't know, man. You got to go ask so-and-so from oh. this department. So I'm just like, wow, is this what PAs deal with on a regular basis? This is really tough because, I mean, you think about it, that's kind of a waste of money because you're paying an artist to also do a PA's job and run around the floor and ask people questions. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's kind of a wild chase where you have such a hard time finding the answer. And that's a lot of time, like it could be up to an hour that you're not doing artwork and that's really expensive, even though it's kind of a weird hidden cost where they can't see the numbers for that. Oh man, see, I can tell you from personal experience, that's not how it is for a PA. That is not how my <laughs> PA has been a lot more organized. What you're describing is what my dad and I had to go through when we needed a new car battery and we went to Walmart <laughs> and nobody at Walmart knew anything about batteries, cars, the automotive department. They had no idea how to help us and people would just go, that's not my department and walk away. And we'd be like, what, what am I supposed <laughs> to do with that? It's, we don't work here. Where is this? Where do yeah. we go? So that's... That's not organized yeah. at all. But I think it's mm -hmm. definitely a privilege uh, working at Nick to be able to walk up to someone and be like, hey, I need information on this thing, like yeah. this episode, or mm -hmm. what episode is this where so-and-so does this? Yeah. And they could tell you, I'm like, wow, this is so convenient. Yeah. Well, Pixar was like that, too, because I was a Pixar uh, production intern, and I mean, I've seen, I'm sure you're aware, they're very organized. Yeah, like they are, everything they're, has they're crazy. <laughs> a department and the organizational structure was just like, tch, 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 tch. so there was no doubt of who you need to talk to and where you needed to go. Yeah, that's, that's really cool that you were also there. Yeah, also <laughs> when I saw that you were an intern, I'm like, hey, fellow intern, swap stories. Yay. So, that was funny you mentioned Inside Out because I was an intern back in 2015, so it was the tail end. So by the time I got there, they were already done. They oh, were doing yeah. press junkets, and that <laughs> we ended up watching the movie at the end of the internship because it was like oh, completely so cool. finished. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was very, very good, very well done. Wow, so you, so going from EA and having to navigate all of that, then you're at Titmouse. So what was, how did that come about? You deciding to go from, was it a thing of, I would rather work in television rather than games? Or was it more of, hey, I now have the opportunity to go to LA, let me do that instead? Or was it something else entirely? I think it was a lot of things. So coming out of school, I've always wanted to do animation and I ended up in gaming kind of as like a backup or something of that sort just because it was difficult and there weren't a lot of opportunities at the time when I came out of school to get dive right into animation so I thought oh I love games like why why not do gaming because that seems just as good and so I ended up doing gaming and then after a while I kind of I kind of realized like uh, if you've ever played sims it's pretty much furniture clothes it's a lot of the same things for 
a very, very long time. So I think after a while I was like, uh, I kind of want to do something else. And there was also a lot of things played into it. Like I also missed L.A., not to offend anyone, but I didn't like living in the Bay Area. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I love the Bay Area, but Bay Area is great. I like LA. I like warm weather. Yeah, me too. I, I, lived I in like a the fog, sun. I lived in a fog bank, so <laughs> I, I appreciate that I don't have damper it all over my apartment. So I yeah. can really hear you on this. Yeah, so <laughs> I decided to come back to animation. And so I it was, it was a while where I was looking around for some sort of chance to jump back into the game here. And finally, Tipmouse was like, hey, we have a project that's available, and do you want to come work on this project? And so I was like, well, I guess it's now or never. So I was like, okay, I'm going to jump ship and go. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. So how were you able to get into Titmouse? Was it you applied online or were you, you know, networking and going to conventions or did you meet somebody who was there? Like, how were you able to get into the animation studio? Um, For Titmouse, it's... Actually, I had I had interviewed for an internship for uh, with them like a couple years before I actually started working there. So I was I was still in school at that time, and then I interviewed there, and they kind of showed me around. And I think I've also visited my friend there too because I had a couple of friends working there. And so I just I didn't get the internship at that time, and I was like, oh, that's okay. So I still had the contact left over from that time. And a couple years in the future, I was like, hey, maybe I should hit them up again. So I emailed them again. And then I kind of consistently, I think I consistently emailed them, like maybe like with a gap of a couple months or so just to check in. And then finally they were like, hey, we have something. So that's how I kind of got in. That's smart. That's a really good idea because I... I know other people have done that too. And then I've met other people where they apply once, they don't go in, they think, oh, they don't want me. And they never apply there again. And you think, no, just if you do something new, talk to them. You know? Yeah. And you did it the right way. Not, it wasn't every week. It was, hey, every three or four months or so, how are you? Yeah. How's it going? Though I've I've also heard every month. Oh, really? is, Is like a good rule of thumb, I guess. Like, I thought every month would be too much, but if you think about it, that's all it really takes. The next month, they could just suddenly have something, so you never know, because this industry is so... It's just so fickle, you just never know. that It could also be a difference of one day. Like, suddenly, the next day, they're like, oh, my God, we need some someone to fill this. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's good to know. All right, yeah, so, so, so never give up. Yeah, I think the key thing that people have told me is persistence. And I know it's like, it's kind of an oversaid thing, but it really is true. And I think a lot of people think that they're bothering other people by constantly contacting them. And I think like, it also depends on the person. But for the most part, it's like, do you want this job or do you not want this job? Mm. It's like, you could annoy this person. Or it's like, you could... For the most part, people get it. Mm-hmm. I think most of us have been there. We're like, yeah, you're annoying, but we get it. Ah. We get that we've all been there. you got to find a job when you're unemployed or when you're first starting out. Because if you don't help yourself, no one's going to help you, you know? Mm-hmm. That is true. So how did, were you in between then? Were you in between jobs and then at Titmouse? Or were you at EA or doing freelance and then Titmouse? How did you subsist? 
I went directly from EA to Titmouse. So okay. to go to Titmouse, I had to quit my job, and I just drove down to LA. All right. Okay. All right. So then, what what did you work on when you were over at Titmouse? The first project they hired me on was Hot Wheels, which I think they only released on Netflix. It's with Mattel, so it, it's kind of like a big commercial for their <laughs> for their toy line. Even though it's like I think it was it was like a movie sort of thing. There was like three episodes of a movie or something like that. So we I worked on that for I want to say like five months. I'm forgetting now, but it was a short term project. And then they brought me back for a different project, which was Nerdland. It's their indie movie that they did. So that was a different experience, and both projects I background painted on. Okay. What yeah. is it like background painting for a pre-existing property? Because it's not, I mean, it's an original idea in that it's a show, but it's based off of, you know, a toy line, and they already have their parameters. So what is it like when you have that type of constraint? Well, when I came into the project, I was, I kind of came in in the middle, so a lot of the pre-design work had already been done like they did the characters they had all like all the style down so pretty much you have access to what the other backgrounds are so you basically just kind of hook up the style like oh yeah this kind of looks like that and i mean a couple of the first couple of times like you go into crit with the art director there's definitely like a couple times where i messed up a little it's like oh no we wouldn't do that you know it's like, no, we don't shade our cars like that. <laughs> so that's a bit of a learning curve always. So, But you, you just learn. No one's perfect, so don't make the same mistake twice mm -hmm. is like a general good rule to follow. And, you know, you'll learn. So then how did you go from Titmouse to Nickelodeon? How did I do that? <laughs> magic. Like, yeah, yeah, magic. I just are. woke up one day. You woke up one day, it's like, oh, I'm here in this lovely office. It's like, whoa, this is a great dream. <laughs> So I had a bit of a gap between Titmouse and Nickelodeon. I think it was about a year. I was kind of freelancing on and off, and I took a bit of a break from working. But during that time, I just kind of kept up emailing people and with contacts and saying, hey, is there anything available? And then after about a year and a half or so, I finally got a reply back. It's like, oh, yeah, we have something on the show called Pinky Malinky. Uh, would you like to background test for it? And I was like... Yes, yes I would. <laughs> so they sent me a test, I did it, and I passed. So yay. Right. Well, she's here. And for yeah, those I'm out here. there that want to do what you're doing, what is a background test like? Background test, I think, usually they they give you a, you have to paint a couple backgrounds. So usually they like to test you on doing a night version of a background and then a day version, uh, just to make sure you know how to change the lighting from day to night. And then there's also usually like another background you do, just like they'll give you a context like, this is so-and-so's kitchen or this is so-and-so's living room. And then you just paint whatever colors. Usually they'll tell you it's like daytime or something like that. But local colors for like, if you wanna make that couch red, make it red, you know? Mm -hmm. There's really no rule about what color you can't make objects. That's totally up to you. And I guess that's kind of the part of the test is they want to see how well you can marry all these colors together to make something that looks nice. And I think on my test for Pinky, they asked for some color comps as well. So just to see like how you work 
to further see how you work with colors changing in like different environments or like different lights, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so now that you've had a wealth of experience, more so I think than maybe people that are working in the industry twice as long, just from, <laughs> you know, you've gotten a chance to work at different studios and games and television. So what are some things that you've learned along the way that have helped you as far as background painting and visual development go? I think having good taste and a sense of organizing design in your head. So I know that's kind of vague, like having good taste, because what is good taste? But I think taste is something you can't teach. You have to build it up and no one else can help you with that but you. So like as as a student, when you graduate, your level of taste is probably like pretty decent. You know, you've done the whole art school thing and they've taught you don't do this or this looks bad or don't put these two colors together. So you kind of further develop that as you grow as a designer. You, you're like, oh, that's really tacky or that's just just doesn't look good, <laughs> you know. So that's really helped. Um, I think most of my my sense of taste grew while I was working on Sims because I worked every day with fashion and furniture. I think that was that was something that really pushed me to grow in taste because uh, those two things are, I think it's very detail oriented because you're placing those things in a context and it's not just, here's a concept. For instance, we would design clothes for a certain type of persona. So if you're trying to design like a luxurious top for some wealthy lady, like it's supposed to look like this, you know, versus I'm going to design like a bro uniform or something like <laughs> for the guy who just stays at home and plays video games. <laughs> so like, you know, that, those are two different things. And also one of the things I kind of learned was organizing like different styles of designs in one group. So what they did that I thought was really cool was that for architecture, they would organize everything into one category. So it's like two door style or it's they had like modern style, which I guess was you could say is like Ikea. <laughs> everything is a box. Everything is Swedish. <laughs> yeah, everything is Swedish. There you go. <laughs> oh, they had like French country and stuff like that. So you organize everything into these categories and suddenly everything makes sense. Because before I went on that job, it was for me, everything was like, oh, yeah, that's a style. Yeah, that's another style. And this is a style. <laughs> so it's just a lot of stuff. And I think a lot of people who first come out of school and who don't necessarily have knowledge of architecture and like furniture and, and things like that, they tend to group it all into one giant category and it's like, oh, what's the architecture style in Europe? What's the architecture style in, I don't know, Japan or whatever? And it's like, you don't just think about it as the architecture of Europe. There's just so many little subcategories mm -hmm. in there and you have to, you have to think about it, you know, and right. group them into smaller categories and I think it makes it easier to think about that and that's something that I kind of carried with myself throughout my career and I think it's really helpful whether or not I actually use it but I think in terms of organizing things in my mind it's definitely helped me a lot. I could see that because you have that in the back of your mind that you can pull from. So you know, this is not, I'm not going for the totality of an entire continent. I have yeah. to think of it in terms of 
the personality of the people and their age and where they're living and what they're doing and it's going to be different so how would it be different yeah that makes a lot of sense and actually going on that point too are there any trends that you're seeing in terms of painting and background styles and different types of things in animation are you seeing because i feel like you know adventure time came out so then lot of things Everyone. are looking like it yeah. and then Stephen years and a lot of things are looking that way so are you seeing that as well are there any new trends that you're noticing uh yeah for sure I think the biggest one I've seen so far a lot of things are really heavily influenced by anime and I just think it's really ironic because most of us grow up loving anime drawing anime and they tell us like don't draw anime you'll never get a job like that and now that we're all grown up and we're now we're the content creators and we're creating these things from our childhood we're like oh we love anime let's make like an inspired anime kind of thing and so i think that's been really huge uh definitely you can see it in steven universe even if it's not in the art style a lot of i think like the way the stories go they kind of have like that sort of taste Mm -hmm. i feel (laughs) yeah it's funny i watch that show and i go someone loves sailor moon (laughs) yeah it's not a bad thing but you're you can see it in different shows you're like i know what you were watching when you were 10. so what is it like working on pinky because pinky you know it's a new show they've announced it they've shown a few clips here and there but are you able to talk about not specific episodes but just what it's like being on the show Yeah, Pinky in general, I think this is the best crew I've worked with so far. It's really different from most things I've worked on, even Pixar, because Pixar is feature. And I think what I'm most impressed by is just that it's, everything's just so organized. It has like a pipeline and everything. And it's like, I do this and it gets sent to this person. I think for our show, because our background style is really different, we actually get quite a bit of time on painting backgrounds because, uh, as you probably know, we don't have lines on our backgrounds. So everything's drawn in layout as line work, but when it gets to paint, we we basically kind of trace under the the line work and we just kind of get the shapes in, and then we turn off like all the all the line work, so what you're left with is just shapes, and everything has to be super, super clean. So it's like, you can't be one pixel off, because it just doesn't look good like mm-hmm. that. As far as actually painting backgrounds, I think for Pinky, you really have to have a very good sense of color, because everything is so simple and graphic. We don't really render stuff, like, oh, look at this water bottle, it's so 3D, it's in your face. Like, we don't do that, it's supposed to be a little bit more graphic. So. Because it's so limited in what you can do, you can't hide like your lack of knowledge on, of color under under your rendering. Because I think what a lot of students or a lot of people would do in the beginning is like, oh, I don't really know that much about color, so I'm just gonna render this until it's like 3D. <laughs> so it's unrecognizable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we don't we don't have that here because we can't do that. So. Actually, the if you can do something in like a lesser amount of brush strokes, it's probably better. I want to say I could be wrong, but that's just my impression of okay. working on things. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of what we do is actually um, when we paint it, it's a lot of airbrushing and gradients. But if you choose your colors right, it looks nice. But if you choose your colors wrong. Like it, it just doesn't look that good. Uh, so you know right away if this is working versus, hmm, no, let's redo this. Yeah. 
So there's like, I think definitely some of the things I've learned here is our show creator really likes things grouped in colors. So instead of everything kind of popping out in local color and like, like this is red, this is blue, and that is green, like what we do a lot is that we'll select like a group of things like maybe in the middle ground or foreground or background and then we'll put a lot of adjustments or overlays over things. Like maybe we'll make it a little bit more blue overall just to group all the colors together. And so that way the background isn't popping out because you ultimately want the characters to stand out because that's the most important part. And so we don't want the background elements competing with the characters doing stuff. And you know, I'd never actually thought about grouping them in color like that. Like I, I had a sense of that when when I was in school, they're like, you know, group your values, group your colors and everything like that. But I think this this show kind of taught me that to a different level where it's like, no, you could go further with that. <laughs> I like that. That's really cool. And it makes sense, too, because you, the show is about Pinky and his friends. So you don't want to be, well, there's Pinky, but look at this lamp yeah. in the background. Isn't it beautiful? Like, well, yeah, but that's not the focal point. Yeah, exactly. And also it's like everything... A lot of the shape language is round on our show, and Pinky is round. So you don't want, if you make something really dark in value or just like really punchy in color, it just kind of blends, you know, with, it, it just might blend in with the characters. And then it's like, what's that thing doing over there? It's like, a, oh, that's just a part of the background. <laughs> <laughs> it's just there. It's like, oops. All yeah. right, let's go back. <laughs> yeah. So in addition to working on the show, you've also done... A great deal of personal work and yeah. you've exhibited at a lot of different galleries so can you talk a little about that experience so when I first came to LA I was I was like oh I really need to make more contacts because I realized how out of the loop I had been when I was in gaming so one of the things I've always wanted to do as a student was to be able to exhibit in all these I guess they're pop art sort of galleries um, very contemporary and usually about things in pop culture like different shows or whatever so I reached out to a couple galleries and that's kind of the thing I think a lot of people ask me is like how do you get into galleries a lot of galleries will have submissions and what you do is you can go on their website and they'll usually have like an email you can submit your artwork to and just you can just hit them up like hey I'm an artist I'm interested here's my work and if they like your work and they're looking for people or they think you're a good fit for a show, they might contact you and say, hey, do you want to do this show? It's about this for this. Could be for a TV show or something like, usually there's a theme. So yeah, you go along with that theme. I've also had some people ask me to do gallery shows. So that's the thing, like you start doing one show and then you meet people or people like, introduce you to other people and it kind of goes from there and then you kind of expand and you just do more and more shows as you go along sounds good so work begets work yeah that's the thing you have you have to start working to get more work i guess that's interesting too i didn't realize it was it is like getting a job because yeah it's not unlike you know when you're calling recruiters and applying online for a job same way with the gallery it's like here's my work here you go yeah, it is. It's really funny how these things work because a lot of the times I'll just meet these people casually. I don't know who they are. And we'll just be talking and be like, oh, hey, like, where's your piece? And I'll, I'll tell them my, my piece is that one on the wall. And then they'll say, like, oh, that's really cool. I'm actually like 
doing this gallery show for this other gallery, blah, 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 blah. Yes. Or, or they'll, they'll be like, oh, hey, I have a friend who's like, who owns a gallery or whatever, you know. And then it just kind of picks up from there. And then I think that's most jobs, I feel like, come from just casual <laughs> encounters. They're not necessarily super professional. Like you sit down and you're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna interview right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're in our serious mode now. This yeah. Is our serious hat. This this is the entertainment industry. We have know? to inter- you know, we entertain. Don't, yeah. We're we're not that serious most of the time. <laughs> no, no, not so much. It's that's kind of the interesting thing. It's a lot of hey, you're fun. We should hang out. Hey, yeah. you do a thing. We should work together. Hey, you're cool. All right. It's, it kind of feel like it's more of you're just able to get along with people and be friendly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you have excellent work. You're also a friendly person. (laughs) So, you know, it's excellent work plus good attitude equals more work. Yeah, I think that's, in general, you want to be, like, a friendly person to work with. Otherwise, if you're just mean to everyone, it's like, who Mm -hmm. wants to work with you? Because there's so many people now Mm -hmm. in, like, getting into this industry or working in this industry. So we're not losing much if there's like one person we don't really like yeah and we're like yeah we don't want to work with you anymore and i've heard stories like that we're like oh this person's great ah, i worked with that person before oh how was it and you just no. see them shaking their heads like okay never mind yeah so be nice to everyone yeah which is just good advice even even if they're mean to you you never know yeah that's true like, and sometimes i found too sometimes people are just having a bad day because I've met yeah. people and I thought they didn't like me that much. And then the next time I see them, hey, it's nice to see you. And they're really <laughs> nice and they're telling me about stuff. And like, yeah, there's this going on, this going on. You should apply for this. And I'm like, oh, oh, we are friends. Oh, how nice, yeah. you know? Well, the funny thing is some people don't smile that much or they just yeah. naturally have an angry looking face. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, uh, you're really scary. You're kind of mean. But actually, they're not. Yeah, I've encountered that <laughs> too. We're like, oh, you're just more more of a serious low-key person you're actually pretty yeah. cool like oh okay yeah sometimes it it's funny how it it takes a while for you to realize that and you're just like mm-hmm. you're not half bad <laughs> you're decent who knew <laughs> that's why you work here that's why you work here because you're not a jerk awesome yes <laughs> that's that's pretty fantastic so do you have any personal projects that you're currently working on? Any new things going on for you outside of work or any upcoming gallery shows or comics or anything that you're doing? Um, I, I've been taking a break recently from doing personal work, but I do have a gallery show c- coming up. It's at Hero Complex Gallery. Oh, I love that gallery. Yeah, it's a fun place. and this is going to be a cool show because it's a blacklight show. So. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something I've never done before, but basically we had to paint our artwork to be blacklight reactive. So um, I'm not 100% clear of how they're doing this, but they're basically blacklighting uh, the show. So you could see this, you can see the pieces in like a normal lighting, and then you can also see them in blacklight, which is going to look completely different. Like think glow in the dark and all sorts of neon things. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Fantastic. And one last thing, I saw that you've done a graphic novel. So I feel oh, like you've yeah. officially done everything. Like uh, every kind of thing. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> the graphic novel, that actually started as an independent study while I was in school. So it was my last, I think it's my, it was my last year. I did an independent study and I decided to do a graphic novel. And originally it was for my portfolio. 
And then I got to the point where I was like, oh, well, it feels kind of weird that now that I'm done with it, maybe I should just keep doing it. So I kind of continued it and I just posted it online. I haven't updated it for a couple years now, so <laughs> I think it's safe to say it's not being updated it anymore. It is done. <laughs> the saga has ended. Yeah. Yeah, but that was that was a really fun experience because I've always enjoyed drawing comics and I read a lot of manga growing up. So I think doing an online graphic novel has always kind of been on my bucket list. So I, I can I guess I can kind of say I did it, even though it wasn't it didn't have a huge following or anything like that. But it was fun for the time being. <laughs> That's good. What was the name of it, or what uh, is the name of it? It's called Flipside Fairy Tale and. I just, I basically just posted it on DeviantArt. All right. Very good. The one thing I always like to ask people at the end, if you could go back in time and give your younger self advice, either before college or after college or while you were in internships or previous jobs, what would you say to yourself? I would say socialize more, talk to people more while when you're in art school because that's where all the networking really happens and that's so important. I think just in general, just just talk to people, go to parties, socialize, mingle, all those things. <laughs> and get to know people and become friends. <laughs> so where can people find you online? I have a website, it's just jocelynliang.com or I have my Tumblr which is jawsdrawsinprada.tumblr.com. That would be J-O-Z, and then draws in Prada, P-R-A-D-A, like the fashion brand. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Well, Jocelyn, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It has been wonderful talking to you, and I've learned a lot, and I know that the listeners will too, so thank you again. Oh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. And that concludes my interview with Jocelyn Liang. Special thanks to Jocelyn for being a wonderful guest. And make sure to check out her website as well as her Tumblr page and her Instagram page, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review in iTunes. All of your reviews help more people to find out about the show. And you can also donate to the show by visiting www.theanimatedjourney.com and clicking on the PayPal button on the right-hand side of the page. All of your donations help me to keep the show up and running. And also make sure to visit our sponsors, Amazon, Audible, Loot Crate, and Blueberry Podcast Hosting. When you click on the banner ads on the right-hand side of the podcast website and make your regularly scheduled purchases, a little bit of money comes back to the show. And that helps me to pay for technical costs as well. So thank you to everyone who has left a review, who has donated to the show, and who has supported our sponsors. They appreciate it, and I appreciate it as well. And to find out what's been going on in the wonderful world of animation, make sure to check out the Facebook page at facebook.com slash theanimatedjourney. You can visit the Tumblr page at www.theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com. And on Twitter and Instagram, the handle is at AnimJourney. And to see what I've been up to lately, you can visit my website, www.sketchysoul.com. On Facebook, the address is facebook.com sketchysoul. On Tumblr, it's sketchysoul.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, 
The handle is at Sketchy Soul. So thank you to everyone for listening and tune in next week as the Nickelodeon Summer Series continues. And as always, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody. Bye.